Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, so today we have on a driver who's going to be competing in his first season of Pro-Am, um, Blake Vanthoff. He drives an LS-powered E36 with a turbo on it. Uh, it's got some gnarly power on it. Uh, we get into it about all that, maybe some sponsorships, uh, sponsorship proposal a little bit, maybe something you guys can look up on your own when you guys have the time. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Again, if you guys follow the page on Instagram and Facebook at Drifting Pro-Am, uh, if you guys want to follow me and my Cadillac CTS V-Build, you're more than welcome to do so at Gerald underscore Hernandez um, on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well. Other than that, Thank you guys for listening to the show. Good, man. How you doing? Hey, pretty good. How are you? Not too bad. Just uh, chilling. I went trying to get... I went and rescued a dog today from the pound, and his previous owners, uh, he was taken away for neglect, and this dog is just a mess mentally, so... Oh, yeah. Trying to get him uh, situated in the new home. How's your well, weekend going? You- uh, actually, really good. Um, actually, pretty pretty quiet weekend. So, pretty nice. I did caffeine and octane in Atlanta this morning. So, what's that? It's, it's like a monthly, kind of like cars and coffee. Oh, but, nice. Uh, it's here. It's like twenty five hundred cars every month. It's enormous, and it's held at a mall. Holy hell! So you, you have to get there about. And we got there about five thirty this morning, and there was probably already a hundred cars there. Oh wow! You took your car out. Yeah, so I trailer it over there. Oh, nice. So, uh, if you can go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what you do, what you plan on doing, and then sure, we'll get into so, the car. Sure. So, my name is Blake. I'm uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, originally from the Northeast, so I grew up in New Hampshire, um, and I intend on doing the East 10 Pro-Am series uh, this upcoming season. Nice. And how long have you been drifting? I've been drifting probably about five years now. Um, started up with Club Loose North in New Hampshire. And uh, when I finished college, I moved down to Atlanta and started drifting here with iTrack Motorsports. So, Gotcha. And tell us a little bit about your car. So the car, you want the whole story or just uh, part of it? Just a good part. We need all the stuff. Alright, so the car, uh, I bought it as a bare shell maybe four years ago. Um, had a S52 in it, then a high compression, fully built S52, and now it's got the uh, LQ9 with a turbo on it. Um, it's a CDO, CD009 transmission, um, stock rear end, uh, full cage, SLR angle kit, uh, some fixed back seats front and rear um, and of course big dot club over fenders and some other stuff to make it look better oh nice uh, I don't know if you heard about RJ he uh, s- he went to s- the wall at Irwindale yeah, I saw some pictures of his car and man a couple guys went into the wall right yeah it's just from the rain yeah um, Edder he drives the uh, GTO he's like Scraped the wall with his front bumper. Jeez. Yeah, so he got lucky, you know. But uh, 
a lot of the rain because RJ was actually, I don't know if you saw the video, he's doing really well, and then all of a sudden his car just washed out. Yeah, it looked like he had like a great line, and basically he just, instead of pulling the back end around, it just kept going. Yeah, and I was like, so. damn. I was like, poor guy, man. So, uh, where are you? Where are you located at again? I mean, Georgia, I assume. Yeah, so I'm uh, northwest Atlanta. So I'm in uh, Marietta, it's an Atlanta suburb. Oh, okay. And then uh, you said you'd been drifting how long again? Probably about five years. Okay. I'd say. So, but uh, I took I took like a year break here and there. Oh, okay. So maybe total only three years, but of actual driving. I, yeah, of actual driving. Gotcha. And uh, how'd you end up finding drifting? How'd you get into it? So actually, kind of a funny story. I um, growing up in college, I was always into like Audis and Volkswagens, and uh, I rented a shop with some friends while I was in school. And uh, this E36 M3 came up for sale across the street, and they didn't want basically any money for it. So they thought they needed some. They thought it needed a motor. It did end up needing a head gasket and a head, but uh, I bought it for seventeen hundred bucks. Um, did the head gasket and the head, and just I was gonna flip it, and uh, I started driving it around. I'm like, well, okay, maybe you know, maybe I'll keep this. And then uh, I was like, well, what am I gonna do with it? <laughs> and I decided to just start building a drift car and started getting all solid bushings and built it up to kind of be like a double duty type car. Um, I had some sticky tires on it and just put some cheap coilovers on it and started going at it kind of um, as like a weekend warrior type car. And uh, then I actually started drifting with my friends. So some of my friends got into it. And uh, as soon as that happened, I ended up just kind of going full force into drifting. Um, the original M3 ended up getting crashed. And uh, I bought this silver M3 that I drive now as a bare shell and kind of swapped everything over. Oh, okay. Uh, how badly did you crash it that made you change out the chassis? So, actually, I didn't crash it. Uh, one of my friends did. <laughs> but uh, it was good enough. He basically T-boned uh, the end of a rock wall. So we kind of, like, oversteered and just slid into the end of this rock wall and kind of turned it into a U. So there was, there was no way it was salvageable at all. I just bought it back from actually his insurance company and took everything out of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, um, is that when you still had, you didn't have an LS in it at the time, correct? No. So yeah, that was just a stock motor. Um, I think the biggest issue was that we had, uh, there was MTO fives on the back of it and it was like maybe high thirties in New Hampshire when we took it out. So I think the tires just didn't have any heat in them and, it just loosened up and went out while he was driving it. So, ah, uh, damn. Well, at least uh, he took the hit on his insurance to make sure you got paid for it. Yeah, no. I mean, he's a stand-up guy. I've been friends with him since probably kindergarten, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he he took care of everything, and it all worked out. Now, so. Fine now. Oh, okay. That's not. That's not something. Some people are kind of dicks. And we'll just be like, well, bye, friend. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. No, that's good to hear, man. Um, so what made you want to get into competition? Um, something you've always wanted to do? What are your goals with it? Where do you... Yeah, so... Yeah, my I'm pretty unclear about my goals, actually. Uh, I started tandeming 
like two years ago here in Georgia. And I met some guys that I always just drove with. And, you know, I kind of wanted to keep doing that and I wanted to get better at it. So I kept doing it. And then I started kind of building this LS Turbo engine setup. And I was like, well, you know, I, I should probably use this. So I figured I'll go into Pro-Am and see how I do. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, how much, like, do you get a lot of tandem with your friends? Uh, yeah, so around here I can tandem with, you know, anybody who's out now because I finally moved up to, like, the advanced classes and they just hot lap here. So oh, okay. they'll just let, you know, 10 cars out at once and whoever's behind you and whoever's in front of you, that's who's there. So, um you know, there's really good guys to tandem with out there, and there's, you know, not so good guys to tandem with out there. Also, I kind of hooked up with a local shop here who has four or five cars that when we're all out, we can all drive together, so. Hmm. And do you have any expectations for this year, for this season? Expectations? Not not so much. Um, you know, I, I don't intend on doing Pro-Am over and over and over again, mm-hmm. but uh, I do kind of want to, like, get rid of most of the variability and kind of set myself up to do well. Um, even if, you know, my driving's not up to par, I kind of want to set myself up. So that's, that's what actually makes me fail and not like the car failing or, you know, not having a truck or something like that. Gotcha. So you want to make sure that it, you don't have any mechanical issues and it's just more of a driver thing. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I think I'm setting myself up for success, but, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, there's kind of like four things that you have to take care of. And first one's the car and make sure that's running right. And the second one's, you know, the transportation, the hotel stays and things like that when you're going to these events and then your team. So you have to have like a reliable team, you know, spotter and uh, crew chief. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, your truck and trailer. So your truck and trailer has to be super reliable and be, you know, able to make these types of drives and effort. Yeah. And how, how far are you driving? I don't I don't know where East 10's um, rounds are at. So how far are you driving out? Um, I think the closest one is, well, actually, the closest one's about an hour and a half from me mm-hmm. in Georgia, actually. And the furthest one is about five hours from me. Oh, okay. So not, not so bad. I mean, you have guys on here talking about driving 14 hours to an event. I mean, that's... That's that's I mean that's just a lot of time to take off work honestly for an event. Uh, and uh I would you know, for me. That is uh is, <laughs> like I get some pretty decent vacation time but that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I mean I'm even debating doing that if I ever get a Pro 2 license so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, the I mean I'm trying to do Friday like go up Friday night and not take any time off. And then come back Monday morning, but we'll see how that works. Yeah. Mine is eight miles from my house. And oh, yeah, that's... On Saturdays, so I'll live. The other one's yeah. 100 miles from the house. So I got two options. Yeah, but 100 miles isn't so bad. Maybe a couple hours. Yep, it's not bad at all. So leave here at 5, get there on time-ish. Mm-hmm. When uh, when you first started building your car, um, did it just kind of snowball into what it is now, or yeah? So was, just, um, was that your plan? 
No, it, it got completely out of control after I moved to Atlanta. So um, in New Hampshire, I had the original uh, M3 engine in the car. And mm-hmm. then uh, at, at like 240,000 miles, it finally spun a bearing and uh, gave up. So I did a forge bottom end with high compression and made like a a pretty quick S52. Like it was quite a screamer, I think. And um, I was finally like, you know, hitting banks and stuff with that and kind of really winding it out every time I had it out on the track. So I was like, you know, this is, this is a really expensive engine. <laughs> I should sell this off and do something else. And, um, I ended up selling that engine, uh, while I was, after I moved to Georgia and I got quite a bit of money for it. So I'm looking at sloppy mechanics and all that saying, Oh, it's, you know, it's 2,500 bucks to swap an LS turbo in. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll budget a little more than that. I'll try to get nicer parts, and we'll see how that works. And I started buying parts, and I mean, they just kept adding up and adding up and adding up. And it I wasn't got so twenty five hundred bucks, was it? Not even <laughs> close. Yeah. Oh my god! If it was twenty five hundred bucks, I could do so many of them for how much money I spent. And uh, you know, it took maybe a year to build a car with the LS in it. And during that year, uh, I moved to Marietta. And in Marietta, um, I moved to this neighborhood where kind of like my neighbors were talking about it and people were kind of seeing me around town and stuff like that. And some guys came to check out the car, like in my driveway while I was just working on it. And um, they owned a shop down the street. So um, there's actually a shop called Night Owl Performance. It's maybe a mile and a half from my house. And they've been extremely supportive of everything I'm trying to do. Um, basically give me all the access I could ever need to their shop. Um, and after that happened, it just spiraled out of control. I mean, before that I was like making a, you know, I bought a welder and a tube bender to make a cage in my garage, Mm -hmm. but now I have access to, you know, lifts and welders and, you know, anything I could possibly need. And now I'm just like, Oh, you know, I better finish this. So, I mean, we just, we kind of uh, finish it up like together, and um, the stock block spun a bearing like the first time I had it out. So I don't know how many miles around that junkyard motor, but it might have been a little more than what they told me. You never and, know. Uh, yeah, so they said it was 100K, but, I mean, it spun a bearing as soon as I brought it out. And it was making, the first time I brought it out, it was making right around 550 wheel horsepower. So... I think it was either running very rich and that's what spun the bearing or um, it actually was just worn out. So after that, I, I took it apart again and did all forged internals except for the crank. So I did all forged internals, um, put it back together, upgraded a couple things like did the steam ports and uh, did an AccuSump actually this time too. I was like, well, I better get an AccuSump since I spun the bearing. Mm-hmm. And then it... Uh, I brought it out to one of uh, iTrack's Excite events, which is like a local grassroots um, kind of competition here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, the thing was just ripping. I was like, "What is going on? This thing is, this thing is crazy fast." And um, I think we had tuned it at seven sixty-five for that event, and it, it was it felt outrageous. I was like, "This, I mean, this isn't right." Mm-hmm. So it turns out I, I busted a wastegate line and twisted one of the, the forged rods that were inside of it, which took out the crank. And um, then I rebuilt it again with a forged crank, and that's what I have now. So, you know, 
three motors down, I finally have, you know, a nice, what I hope to be a reliable car, a reliable enough car. How long have you been on this motor? After the uh, this this motor has three three events on it now. Okay. So it's I mean no issues whatsoever at any of the events. I broke a diff at one, but that was it. But I just the, made it. And you're running a stock diff, I assume, right? Yeah, just stock three series diff. Uh, I broke the cover off the back of it, which is pretty common. Um, so I just made a bracket that like bolted to the back of the diff and bolted to the two bushings on either side and it didn't break after that so and i was running much stickier tires the second time gotcha when uh when's your first round for east 10 i think it's beginning of may okay that's that's decent for uh a pro-am series i wish mine was the beginning of may yeah uh drift league was in march huh yeah it's yeah saturday yesterday Ed- yeah, they had their round one. And I was like, Meh. and then uh, Just Drift, their first round is, um, I think, in like three weeks. Yeah, uh, three weeks. And you still are you signed up for both, uh, both leagues? Uh, no, I'm not signed oh. up for anything. So, I'm waiting to find out. Oh, okay, because I think, from what I've heard in the other podcasts, you still have quite a bit to do on your car. I have everything to do on my car. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I kind of take a lot. I've been doing a lot of other things on the side and not working on my car. So I'm about to uh, shut everything off for a month so I can get my car done. Or at least yeah, tell everybody no for a month. Like, just personal. I'll still do my podcast. Um, but, like, a lot of things just come up. That's just how life is sometimes. Oh, yeah. I hear you. But you know, we'll see. You're, it's, when you're building something like that, it's it really takes precedence over like everything else in your life, and you gotta you gotta tell people you can't come out because you're building a car, and they're like, "What do you mean?" Okay, well, I, I can't come out. I'm busy. But yeah, a yeah. lot of people don't. A lot of people don't know. <laughs> yeah, they don't know what it's like. You know, you gotta you do one like even if you just do one thing a night, you know, it's still like two hours a night you have to dedicate to getting it done. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like so, like right now, I still gotta finish the cage. Um, you know, I just got a tube notch, and anything I'm doing in the cage is not there's no bending required. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm just redoing the back half, so let's just oh, okay. you know, like the main hoop support bars, and then the. Uh, I forgot what it's called. The bar that goes in front in between the, um, basically to hold up the, uh, the steering column. Oh, dash bar? Yeah, dash bar. There you go. I don't know what it's called. Uh, that's not done because they left the stock one in and it's like Mm -hmm. this big, gigantic, heavy piece of lead, uh, to hold the stock, um, dash in. So that's all coming out. Um, there's that's just like most of the fab. I still got to fab up the uh, the fuel cell. You know, there's just a bunch of shit. I'm waiting on suspension parts to complete the suspension, but I did order everything. That's probably gonna take a couple days itself because I want to make sure everything's cleaned up. Mm-hmm. And then you know, the engine. I got to change the oil pan since I switched over to an F body oil pan when I had it in the BMW. Are you doing the uh, 
the baffles inside of it and everything? No, uh, I'm probably going to run a... Um, I didn't run... I can't even think of the word, and you already said what said it earlier. The Canton... Um, oh, AccuSump? Yeah, the AccuSump. I didn't run one on my BMW. I never had any oil starvation issues, even on the bank at Irwindale. Um, I would just fill it up like an extra half a quart and seemed to work for me. Never had a problem. Um, okay. I'm probably going to end up doing the same thing on this unless I do get, unless the money comes around for one, then I'll probably get the AccuSump, but we'll see because those things aren't cheap. No, um, not at all. And they retain their, they hold their value. So even if you find one stock, um, it's not going to work. Like, you're still going to spend a lot of money on it. You might save a hundred bucks buying a used one. Yeah. And for me, it's just not, you know, it's not worth it. I'd rather have a new one. Yeah. Same here. Uh, Especially for like insurance purposes. I don't know what kind of warranty they have, if any, especially, you know, considering what they're used for. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you spin one bearing and it fills itself up with, you know, metal flaked oil. I mean, that probably take care of the warranty right there. Mm hmm. But, I got super paranoid after the first couple incidents, so now I have basically every oil mod you can have on an LS, oh, except for like a full dry sump, which I actually looked into, but just can't swing it. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. You know, I haven't looked into it yet. Uh, how much is that? Like, just for the parts, not even not even the um, plumbing. I think. I mean, the kits I were seeing basically put it like three to four grand. I'm not interested. Yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so expensive. I mean, but that's something you can do like over time. Like you know, you have a good car set up now. Like maybe next off season, that's like another upgrade you can do. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll just start emailing oil companies and try to get sponsorships. <laughs> but there's no way I can swing something like that. Yeah, that's that shit's expensive. Um, what other things do you feel you haven't? set up on your car like that you think that you can use to better your car maybe like some parts like you know the dry um, sump is one yeah dry sump would be ideal um let me think i mean definitely some head work to bring the rpm limit up because my turbo is not running out of breath in fact it comes on quite late mm-hmm. and uh i could i could use a little more top end um but honestly i have quite a bit of power and now i'm just i think i'm gonna break a lot of things in the rear end so i have multiple like spare diffs and axles so i mean if anything i'd probably do a quick change if i had that type of you know money laying around to do it or if i needed to do it Mm, okay but i mean of course there's other things i can benefit from but that's uh, you know majorly that would be the main benefit yeah, and what uh, what uh, intake are you running? LS6. Uh, that's I'm actually selling one right now. Oh, really? Yeah, I uh, bought one today for like a screaming deal for. Uh, it's an LS6, but it has the uh, the intake. Um, ported for a larger throttle body. Oh yeah. So instead of like the uh, 78 millimeter, it's ported out to 90. And I also have 
I'm gonna try to get like a hundred and two millimeter throttle body too. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I have you like, want to go? Yeah, I have the adapter plate. I have like a big old donkey cam in there, and probably not getting enough air. So I'm hoping to kind of like help it out a little bit more. So I'm selling my old one now. Oh, okay. Hopefully someone yeah, buys it. Yeah, the NA motors. I mean, it, you put a big cam in them and you know let them breathe up top. They they're monsters. This is my this is my first like LS experience, and it's amazing what you can do with these motors. It is. And when you see them, when you see them before, like you start messing with them, you're like, ah, oh, it's just an LS. But actually, they like there's so much more to them than just being a single motor that everybody throws into their cars. Yeah. And, and, uh, I wasn't like, I've been a Chevy guy my whole life, but I did not know anything about an LS and I bought my first Cadillac and then I kind of been getting deeper and deeper and deeper into them. And I just don't understand why people shit on them. They're great. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to build another one, so uh, just to because they're they're fun to build too. They're easy and uh, compared to like, you know, BMW motors or, um, you know, two, even two JZs, they're cheap. I mean, it's just cheap to make a lot of power with the LS. Yeah, and not cheap, but cheap comparatively to other ones. <laughs> right. I mean, you put a BM, you know, BMW V10 to get the sound in, you still make. You know, 400 horsepower. You have a great sound, but you know it costs you 8,500 bucks for the motor right off the bat. So uh, my my motor I got from my junkyard for a grand. So comparatively, they're, they're they make more power for less money. Yeah. Yeah, they're well. Yeah, by comparison. Yeah, I mean it's still not cheap. No motorsports cheap. That's for sure. So, we'll see. Um, what do you? How much seat time do you are you getting? Like in between now, like when's the last time you drove? How often do you drive? So I try to drive every month. Um, when the car is broken or not, you know, I just can't make it. I can't make it. So I travel a lot for work, and uh, sometimes I just can't make it. Other times the car is getting rebuilt or broken. So we spent all last season basically testing every time the car was together that. Uh, you know, it would work and stay together. And then before that, I was drifting with the old motor. The old motor was super reliable. I tried to drift as much as I could afford to. Um, so seat time, I'd say I probably make, if there are 10 events every year, I try to make at least eight of them. Yeah. Okay. So I, I try to get a lot. And um, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably on the low end compared to a lot of guys that are going into pro-am honestly um but i think you know i'll just go at it and see how it goes yeah it's it was fun i think coming from somebody who just came off of their first um pro-am season i think uh but i didn't have as much experience as you did before you drove before you decided to compete i just kind of like dove straight into it Oh really? Yeah, it's just uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot quickly. I also learned that you could wreck a car pretty easily. Um, so I don't know if I have any recommendations because I think my experience is completely different from yours. 
or yeah i mean if you kind of just dove right into it i did this like when i started drifting in general i kind of did that i just like you know hooked a car at a wall and tried not to hit it <laughs> but i mean it took it took a, quite a bit of time for me to be able to link the course and stuff when i first started drifting and now you know it's like completely first of all i'm driving a completely different car than i used to you know yeah. stock m stock m3 compared to what i have now mm -hmm. and um you know now i can just go out and kind of i think i more put on a show than run a run the perfect line or anything like that honestly uh, but i think i think i can i think i can manage so if you just dove straight into it and you're doing a you know you've been doing a full pro-am season then that i mean that makes me feel good about it it wasn't so much like that it was kind of um like, I knew I could afford the whole season if nothing broke, but shit broke all the time. So it was a struggle financially. For me, at least. Yeah. Um, that's why this car is getting built a little better for the same reason. You know, because I don't, I can't, there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to afford for something to break down in between around and then me still spend, you know, what? A minimum of like what eight hundred to nine hundred bucks on tires, for you know depending on what tires you're using, mm. and then it's your entry fees, you know getting to the track, the food you gotta you gotta eat while you're there, like that shit gets expensive. Oh yeah, and you gotta so, provide for you know you gotta provide for anybody you brought with you. Exactly. And, you know instead of looking at just going to the track with a couple hundred bucks and some used tires, you're looking at you know fifteen hundred bucks an event. Dude, there's guys that will show up with used tires at a pro event. I'm like, holy shit, you're brave. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, huh. There's, you know, I hope you I've do made, well. I've made that mistake at uh, iTrack before. Like, uh, bringing, like, uh, tires that I just had, like, lying around and running all day on those. And then going into, like, competition and switching to, like, something stickier. And, like, basically not being able to drive at all. Because it's a completely <laughs> different car now. Yeah. It's so, now actually, I was very fortunate. I got a um, good sponsorship by Tire Streets and Accelera. Oh, so, nice. Okay. Uh, they're providing tires. They're sponsoring East 10 Drift as well. Oh, okay. And, uh, the, they're providing tires. So the, What scares me about them is they run, like, a 235. Um, from my understanding, they're pretty sticky, but I don't know it's if a, I get... We're we're doing the two sixty five thirty five eighteen. Oh, you know what? We're not because over here we're only allowed to do two fifty five. We have to stick yeah. to like a pro two roll. Yeah, they don't uh, they don't make a two fifty five. You're right. Yeah, so you'd have to run the two thirty five. But they yeah. are. I mean, they are seriously sticky tires. No, and definitely. There are comps, but I mean, a two fifty five R comp would would probably outrun them. Yeah. So, um, what do you kind of have for your your interior setup, like, you know, I know you have, let's question, like, do you have your, uh, your handbrake to the left of your shifter or to the right? Because from my understanding, the CD009, is it CD09 or 009? I can't remember. CD009. Yeah, okay. So the CD009. Um, do you have it to the right of the shifter or to the left? So I have it to the left of the shifter, like between the shifter and the steering wheel. Okay. But uh, I didn't relocate the shifter in my car. So everything is pushed really far back. So even if my handbrake was slightly forward of the shifter, it was still in line with my steering wheel. Oh, okay. So like the driver's seat, the steering wheel, the shifter, and the e-brake has all been pushed 
probably well the seat the steering wheel and the handbrake have probably been pushed back seven inches whereas the shifter has probably been pushed back nine or ten inches gotcha so i'm about as far back in the car as i can get and uh speeds are you worried about maybe possibly these tracks being a little bit higher in speed um not really because actually east 10's tracks don't have any banks so uh i know they did run one bank and i actually i much prefer the higher speed um the higher speed banked corners as opposed to like the tight technical tracks that really i mean honestly you have to be a very good driver to you know be able to drive those really tight technical tracks but I really like going fast much better. <laughs> so the higher speeds don't really bother me too much. I mean, I come out of the gate flat out in second and hopefully get to fourth before the first corner usually. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I've seen some drivers, they kind of like, they're like, oh, this is a lot faster. Not cool. <laughs> yeah, so. no, I like I like the, the speed better. Yeah, it, it takes a second. What's the... um. The slower kind of technical tracks are pretty difficult too, especially if you're. Usually, my car is set up way too loose for that, so I'm just going wicked slow, and then if I grip way up, it just straightens out. Do so, you tend to run a grippier or a looser setup? Grippier. Grippier setup. Um, when I've tried to loosen it up for those types of tighter tracks, it ends up way too loose, and. I mean, it's it's moving, but it's not fast. <laughs> so, I tend to I tend to like a grippier setup, and that's probably why maybe I like the higher speed. Because honestly, I should I probably have I I don't want to you know this kind of sounds strange, but I probably have a little bit too much horsepower for you know the setup in the back of the car at least. So when I try to loosen it up, it gets really loose. Yeah, and you said you had, like, what, like 600, 700? Yeah, so we're running 700 horsepower, 700 foot-pounds of torque right now. And it was turned up further, actually, before, and we turned it down. So So that's on its lower setting? It's actually probably the least we can do and make. Um, it's actually, like, uh, it's wastegate pressure. I've, I could change the wastegate springs and get it lower but barely any timing and actually kind of rich. So do you think that'll cause you any problems? Like trying to run a super detuned engine that was meant to run way higher or no? Yeah. So I'm a little worried about it. Um, I'm worried about, you know, go, going into something and basically flooding out the engine and going to press the gas and just misfiring. Um, I'm not really too worried about, you know, washing out bangs or anything like that anymore. I think we've got that pretty well taken care of. Um, but there is there is like a kind of a misfire worry running it like that. So if if I had known more about it when I built it and I knew how to kind of properly size the turbo for the engine, basically all my information came from like F-body forums and drag racing forums on how to build that. And I actually did go with a smaller turbo than what everybody else runs in those forums. And it's still kind of, it still kind of comes on hard and fast. So. Oh, okay. 
That's... Might might not might not be the best setup for <laughs> drifting. If I went if I had like a smaller AR or something like that, it might be better. Uh, I don't know anything about turbos at all. Oh, uh, so so AR is the hot side mm -hmm. size. So basically, the bigger hot side you get, the more power you can push, but the later it's going to come on. Okay. So I have a really big hot side. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know anything about them. Okay, you've always had V8s. Yeah, I grew up around uh, like small block Chevys and stuff, so oh. that was kind of like the thing. And I always thought I was gonna throw a small block Chevy into one of these cars when I first found out about drifting, and then I realized uh, that's a stupid idea. Yeah, I mean, compared to these little... You're talking about, like, a Chevy 350? Yeah. 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 So... I might do a truck motor. Yeah, you're much better off doing a 5.3 with, like, a turbo. And you could do, like, a stock 5.3 and still kill everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, there's a lot of guys... I went to LS Fest a couple of years ago when I was building the car, and there were... I think three or four guys there with five threes with 80 millimeter turbos on them. So I have a 75 millimeter turbo on a six liter and these mm -hmm. guys are running 80 millimeter turbos on the same exact line that I like the uh, same exact manufacturing series that I have, but just bigger on less, um, less cubic inches. So you could, you could see their cars kind of come on like a light switch. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have that luck. I was I was thinking about doing like a Torque Storm supercharger mm -hmm. because I already bought headers, so I don't want to have to buy them again. Yeah. So have we'll you looked at the LSA superchargers? Uh, that's also an option, but the Torque Storm is about thousand dollars less. Oh, really? Yeah. No, no kidding. So in the in the Cadillac community, the V1 did not count the first. The V1 is the uh, first generation of the Cadillac CTS-V. Uh, they did not come with superchargers. They came with an LS6 for 04 and 05, and they came with an LS2 for 06 and 07. Now, on the LS6, you have to run the adapter plates to go from cathedral heads to the square ported to run the LSA supercharger, which I have no problem with because I don't give a shit about cutting a hole in my hood. A lot of people, they don't want to do that, so... They kind of steer away from it. Um, but all said and done, that kit's like, I think, 4500 bucks. There's a company that makes it, and it'll just they sell you everything. And then Torque Storm Superchargers is like 2900 bucks. Oh, wow. And I then, see those LSA Superchargers on like Facebook Marketplace and stuff for like 1500 bucks, but obviously it takes a good amount of stuff to make them work. Yeah, So, and that's just a stock supercharger. Mind you, like that, there's nothing done to it. All you, they're just giving you everything to bolt it on it, and it'll work. That comes with stock LSA injectors, which are pretty much shit out of the box, anyways. Um, they they don't help you get anywhere near past like 550 wheel, but that thing's capable of doing about 700 <laughs> um, on stock motors. And I have a friend of mine who had a ZL1, not a ZL1. Was it the Camaro, the ZL1? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so it was a ZL1. And he had, um, he was pushing 900 at the wheels. Mm 
and he <laughs> he had a LS. It was just the the LSA engine, you know, but it was fully built, or a stock bottom end, fully built top end, and the the uh, blower was ported. Okay. So those things are very very capable. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. There's a guy around here with a LSA supercharged. Uh, I think it's an LY6. It's the aluminum truck motor. No, the uh, LY6 is a. Uh, it's a van motor mostly, oh. and it came with LS3 heads. So it's a oh, okay. it's a six o with uh, LS3 heads from factory. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what he's got. Yeah, but my, he's. I think he's right around six hundred with an LSA supercharger on it. Yeah, and that thing that's that's on the low end. I'm pretty. Is that with a cam? Yeah, he's he's definitely got a cam. Uh, that must be like a detuned because, uh, or on or he's on regular pump. There's a dude who did a LS6 stock LS6. He put, um, I think he just had headers, uh, headers in an exhaust system. He put the LSA supercharger on it, bigger injectors, ran E85, and he put 625 down at the wheels. Oh wow! Yeah, and I was like, holy shit! Like that's. That's a lot for n- nothing, you know. <laughs> yeah. For five grand, like that's that's nothing. That that includes a tune, and I'm pretty sure he did the work himself. Oh wow! So it's just yeah, they're definitely definitely capable. And are you you're running single turbo, right? Yes. Did you go with like any specific um, headers, or is it everything custom in there? So actually, I made everything in my garage here. And um, their truck manifolds turned around. Okay. And then I, I cut the flanges off and put V-bands on them and then made the Y-pipe up to the turbo. And um, the only issue I really had was the steering shaft. So mm-hmm. BMW's steering shaft getting in the way of the number seven runner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually cut that runner out and made a new runner there. And uh, it seems to work all right. Yeah. That's... So that's not bad at all, cause and then damn on a stock turbo, fuck, that's nuts, dude. On stock manifolds, you're pushing over 700 horsepower. Yeah, you know, there's not there's not much to it. The only reason I have a forged bottom end is because I spun a bearing, and the heads, all I have is hardened push rods and valve springs, and then it's just a LS9 cam, so it's not like I have some crazy turbo cam in it either. So, I mean it. It definitely makes some, makes some power. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Cause I was thinking about adding power, um, but at the same time, I don't want to add too much power. Like, the only reason I want to add a little bit is because this car's a lot heavier. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the other reason that my car loosens up. So when I did the cage, I cut like everything I could out of the car, and mm-hmm. then when I did the, I did the big duck club over fenders or uh, quarter panels. I cut the whole back of the car off. So it's, it's really kind of front heavy, honestly. Yeah. It's mm, mine's what do you, do you have you weighed it yet at all? Uh, I weighed it with the old motor and I was, I think it was 2,300 pounds with the old motor and the new motor is probably, Maybe 250 pounds more than the old motor, but I haven't weighed it with everything, and I haven't, you know, I certainly haven't had it on kind of corner scales. So I think the shipping weight on the turbo was 45 pounds, and it's 
maybe like a foot in front of the strut towers. Okay. So I'm a little worried about it being pretty front heavy. And then uh, what what swap kit did you go with, or did you make your own? I'm sorry, what? Did you? What kit? Yeah, what kit did you go with, like for the motor mounts? Oh, so yeah, so I made all the mounts. There's, Holy shit! Uh, what do you do for a trade? If you don't mind me asking, or what do you do for a living, rather? Uh, I'm an engineer, so I'm actually an electrical engineer. Electrical but, uh, engineer. We kind of. I don't. I'm not an engineer, but I do electrical. Yeah, I um. I've been working on cars for a long, long time. My father was into cars. Oh, okay, and, cool. Um, I got into cars, you know, as soon as I could drive, and I've been just kind of like tinkering in my garage for, you know, as long as I can remember. Gotcha. So. Yeah, I grew up in cars too, so. <laughs> I know the yeah. I know the deal. I remember when I was like a kid. My dad was building his car. Um, he had a '64. Oldsmobile Cutlass with a small block Chevy, you know, a five speed in it and a four nine inch in the back. And it was like, instead of me being allowed to go out, he was like, nah, I need to stay here. <laughs> he would make me help him every night. So, but that's, that's kind of yeah. like what uh, made my love grow for cars. Yeah, it's funny. So my dad did the same thing. He, he um, had a GMC Typhoon mm-hmm. and man, he would work on that thing every night after work. Dude, those and, things are nuts. I always wanted to just to tinker with that engine. Yeah, dude, I, I want to find one. I'd love to have one. And, uh, you know, he always he always said, you know, my hands are a lot smaller so I can reach the bolts that he can't. <laughs> and I remember just being out in the garage. I was probably only out there for like 20 minutes. And it just felt like I was out there standing around, you know, for an hour. And then my mom would be like, okay, dinner time. And that would be my, all right, I'm going in. <laughs> but... Yeah, no, that really made, you know, him working on the car with him when I was a kid was, and I was probably, I was really young, maybe definitely under 10 years old, but definitely, uh, you know, made my love for it grow. And then he supported me racing slot cars growing up. Oh, shit. So I got really into racing slot cars and supported all that. So I've been, you know, in some form or another doing this car crap for a long time. Yeah, you know. My kid's trying to pressure me into getting him a go-kart, so that's probably going to happen too soon. Yeah, I did that. We had a little, like, Suzuki DS80 and a little five-horsepower go-kart <laughs> growing up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I remember. Yeah, it's... We'll see what happens. It's. I'm like, buddy, I can barely, barely afford my shit. can afford <laughs> yours too. Yeah. Let's see. Um. When, when do you plan on, like, when's your next event set up, like, to get some more seat time? I know May is a long, you know, May. Yeah, May is a long time away. So, um, actually, I'm doing Import Alliance at the end of this month. So, um, it's kind of like a big car show, but they have a drift, um, demo. It's kind of just a drift day going on, like, at the track. So. Import Alliance is held at uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway, uh-huh. and um, you know tons. I mean, I've heard people wait in line for like three hours to get into this event, and um, there's like drifting going on. There's a big car show. I think there's probably some maybe a dyno going on or drag racing going on. I'm not sure, but so that's the next event I'm doing. It's more of a demo to gain kind of some 
some, uh, I guess, getting some of the light in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, April, I don't have anything set up yet. Probably, I'll probably do the iTrack events in April. So the iTrack here has uh, like Friday night drifts and drifting grip, they call them. Mm-hmm. So for I think 75 or 85 bucks, you can go to um, a track that's about an hour from my house, you know, Friday nights and just run all night. So that's pretty good seat time, actually. He does a good job maximizing seat time. And um, and then, of course, in May, I have uh, East 10. And... Uh, you know, if I can afford to do two a month, I will. But I try to stick to one a month. Yeah, because they're they're not cheap, by any means. Right. Especially when you're burning off. I mean, I can I could probably burn off ten tires a day. It's it's not <laughs> it's yeah. just not feasible for me to do more than one in a month. And uh, but I'm already signed up for like um, LS Fest here in uh, Kentucky, and. Hopefully I'll drive Road Atlanta this year if I get accepted to grid life and things like that. So it should be a really exciting season. Yeah, there's I want to do LS Fest West if I can, if my car's ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's the last weekend of May. Hang on, I got to double check because I'm not 100% sure. I was just talking to the organizer. He said he was setting up for it, so it's definitely coming up. Um, yeah, I know it's – oh, shit, I'm wrong. The first weekend of May. <laughs> oh, uh, if I can somehow pull um, a rabbit out of my ass and have my car ready, uh, I'll go to it. I mean, I, w- I went in, uh, I think, two years ago, and I just went to watch, and it's a it's a fun show. Have you been to LS Fest before? No, never. It's, I mean. At least in Kentucky, it was a. I mean, it was a fun show. You just have guys. If you're doing like a high nine second quarter mile, you're probably one of the slow guys. Yeah. And and in Kentucky, it's a lot of guys in overalls doing it. So um, that and then the drifting. You know, they had a couple of pro guys come out to the drifting and a couple of local guys. They had kind of a home built car like I have. Uh, an E30 BMW was actually drifting. He did really well. I think he made it to like. I think he made it to maybe the second or third round of like uh knockouts and uh then he went up against some i think zena tires car it was like some supercharged ls and i mean it was clearly a pro car but um there's only like two of those cars so i think i know which one you're talking about yeah there was two of them there (laughs) but i mean it was it was great to watch him come up through the you know through the ranks in like a home-built e30 ls swap and you know, a lot of other guys have like really big cars were getting knocked out by other big cars. So, yeah, that's and that doesn't necessarily mean because their car was better. That just means that they might have just been driving better too. Yeah, of course, of course. So some people kind of get bummed out, think they're not going to be able to do, hang or something. Yeah, yeah. Or that's the... They think they need to rebuild their car and add more when that's probably not the case either. Right. What do you think about the shootouts that they do now? Uh, there's going to be one in Northern California, and if I have the money for it, when they release the, uh, when they have the open enrollments or whatever you call it, I'm going to enter it. Oh, okay. So we'll see. But I think they're cool. But I also think at the same time, um, I kind of think everyone should be doing 
um, a Perron setting. I don't think it should be a... How do I say this? It's cool if you can get it. I don't know. Actually, I got to take all that back. It's kind of hard to to really say what I think about it because there's so many different scenarios for so many different people. Like Some people are like, I know I can get my license. I'm going to go to this shootout. And then there's the other mindset. It's like, I'm going to see what happens at this shootout, but I'm not going to be able to afford FD even if I get it. <laughs> yeah, so, right. that's, so, so that's where it's kind of like, shit, like, what do you do? Yeah, and I, I haven't been to one, mm-hmm. but from what I can tell, a lot of Pro 2 guys show up to them, I would think. And a lot of Pro 1 guys show up. And if I guess if you show up, especially if you're from, like, a different country or something, mm-hmm. and you show up and you can beat all those guys, and yeah, maybe you do deserve a license. I don't know. Yeah, but are you going to be able to afford to go compete? Because... <laughs> You yeah, know, right, that right. little one $5,000 weekend, that's nothing compared to, like, running a full season. Right. You yeah, know what I mean? In, in that, in five, five grand is, is, is a stretch. Let's just say your car's built already. You know, let's just say it's you, and you just have to take 30 tires with you. Let's just call it that, because it's a double elimination. Let's say you get eliminated once. So you got to fight your way back to the top. You know what I mean? You got to make sure your car's not breaking. So you got to have all all kinds of extra parts. You got to have the tires for it. Um, you have to get there, obviously. I don't know how close the nearest one is to you. Um, BIR, Hyperfest. So how far is that from you? Oh, it's a good probably 10 hours. So, oh, 10 hours. And that's with a trailer? Uh, yeah, I can look it up real quick. But let's just say, like, you're... You're there and back fuel is what, like 600 bucks? That's just for your truck. Yeah, I'd say that, yeah. Yeah, that's for your truck. That's one day of travel. You're probably going to want to sleep in a hotel because you don't want to, you know, I would assume. I wouldn't want to sleep like, I'll sleep in my truck. I don't give a shit. But if I have people with me, like I can't have them sleeping in the truck. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's a, I wouldn't say a problem, but that's one of the things about the upcoming Pro-Am season is that I'm going to have my girlfriend with me the entire time. So, and she'll be traveling with me and, you know, she deserves to sleep in a hotel. So we'll be getting hotels not sleep in the trailer. Yeah. Your boys, <laughs> your boys will be like, don't worry. I got it. Yeah. And then, you know, you know, like, uh, my girlfriend, she's, she's getting more involved too. Like I, I'm having her as my spotter, you know, she's the type of person that'll be like, well, I'm just going to get a hotel. Cause I don't want, she's like, no one should be sleeping in a fucking truck. But that's just the type of person she is. But I like I can't let her do that because I know she'll do it. Like it's not her expense. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I I don't think I do that. I I have a big benefit from work, so I travel for work, which oh, means okay. I build I build reward points. So that's a big benefit for me, and I probably likely won't have to pay for many hotels. It'll just be on your points, right? Yeah, uh, I barely started to learn how to be an adult recently. So my girlfriend last year, she was like, let's go to Vegas. I was like, I can't afford that. I'm racing right now. She's like, no, 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 no. She's like, nothing. We're paying for nothing. She's like, we're paying to get there and eating. And I was like, huh, okay. So yeah, apparently I, when you have points on your your credit card, you can do that. Yeah, actually, we just did a very similar trip like three weeks ago. Yeah, that's that's very nice. I found out. I was like, I should so, do something like this. Yeah, I mean, it works out well 
So VIR is six hours and 16 minutes you know, driving, so about 400 miles. So maybe 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 you know seven or eight hours with the truck and trailer. Yeah, that includes stopping to take a piss and eating. Yeah, so maybe a little longer. Yeah, that's and that so that takes up pretty much a whole day. You're not going to leave your house at midnight to get there at seven and then expect yourself to compete. Yeah, that's that's one thing I definitely can't do. I yeah. I have a you know a tendency to fall asleep while driving's too real. So I, there's no way I'm going to do that. Yeah, that's that would that would be difficult for me because I can stay up for a long time and drive. But if it's just me, like I'll pull over and sleep for a couple hours and then get back on the road when I feel better. But yeah. when you have somebody with you and they're just like, ugh. And they're like, I'm not driving. Yeah, or it's somebody who like hasn't driven a truck and trailer. Yeah, that's or, you know, that's another thing. They're going to like, learn today. Yeah. Hey, don't don't go 75 because it's going to start to wobble. Yeah, cuz then or then you can't fall asleep when you let them drive. Yeah, right. So there's no benefit. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we're just going to stay here. But um, what are you expecting other than, you know, learning experience? Do you think you can keep up with everybody? Do you think you can beat everybody? <laughs> are you just... So I, I want to... I'm trying to give myself the best chance, the best odds, you could say. But uh, I know, you know, personally... You know, my friends have extremely fast cars and are extremely talented drivers. So, you know, when I look at them, I see myself as a much poorer driver than they are. And I might be I might be hard on myself, but um, I think that if I were to podium or anything like that, it would it would mean that, you know, something went really in my favor. Mm -hmm. So either, you know somebody got knocked out or like half the field's cars are broken or something like that. You know, I, I am hoping for the best and I'm going to try my hardest, but, uh, you know, I, I don't want to set an unreasonable expectation of just dominating with some retardedly fast car or something like that. Yeah. It's, it, that's not, that doesn't always matter. Cause there's a guy over here. Uh, his name's Rome. I'm going to butcher his last name. Rome Carpenter, it's like, it's French, so it's pronounced way different than what I just said. And uh, he was on a 5.3 with a cam in it for about two years, got his license, or he knew he was getting his license, but he was kind of like building an engine on the side. Like, so for the last round, he went from having like 350 wheel horsepower to like 650 hmm. overnight, and just, you know, he's still killing it. He won first place in two championships over here on uh in california but he did wow. that he did that all with a 350 horsepower motor going up against guys who were like 600 horsepower sometimes and still being able to keep up and win yeah was it his first pro-am season or had he had pro-am experience uh this was either his second or third from my understanding but he was just super he, consistent and he kept driving yeah i know who he is like uh on instagram and stuff but i've never met him or anything like that so yeah he's he's a super nice dude and then he does like a lot of fab work mm -hmm. 
So, you know, that's helpful too to save you money. He just, he just, he's, uh, he crashed it at, um, Drift League 2, didn't he? No. Was that? Oh, he didn't? Okay. Uh, Beam Team Tyler. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, right now their cars look a little close. They both almost look the same. Okay. So normally his car is green, roams, and then uh, this year he redid everything, like aesthetically, because mm-hmm. he already has you know, like a Millennium Motorsports engine. He's got a dog box and he's got a quick change. Oh wow! So he's got all the goods you need. I think he even upgraded his uh, coilovers to the uh, the two way adjustable from Feel. Oh okay. So he's real fancy now. Oh nice. I follow all those guys because uh, I got in touch with Big Duck Club like a when the, I think near when they started, so I got all into that. And RJ is actually taking extremely good care of me because shipping to Atlanta for some reason, uh, the distribution center here is really harsh on fiberglass parts apparently. So he's he's taking care of me pretty well, and I follow all those guys, so I kind of know what's going on over there, <laughs> but. Yeah, that's definitely don't know anybody personally. Yeah, I was talking to RJ. He was t- talking about he's like, hey, you should probably back half your car. And he's like, and I'll make you the molds and everything. Mm. Um, not for free, obviously. He's got to get his money. Um, he's like, that's something you should do because you you have a tendency to crash. So <laughs> he didn't. He said it without saying it, but he's he's right. It's just it's it's not in the budget right now. Yeah. You know, that shit's expensive. Now, did you have like smaller crashes before you had the big one with the E46? Yeah, uh, I did. I had, it was at the balcony track up at Willow Springs. Uh, I went off-roading and I ended up on a mountain. <laughs> I hit a plastic K-rail. Um, other than that, and then at Grange, we have like a small uh, go-kart track over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I broke a couple wheels for going off a track. But, you know, on those I can get away with barely because everybody breaks wheels there or something on that on their car. Okay. Um, it should not be drifted on, but, you know, they're going to let Grange. us do it. You're talking about Grange, right? Mm-hmm. After, after I saw that E36 uh, basically like DB the tire and flip, I was like, wow, that... Oh, I can't remember his name. Like, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, he's building yeah, like an like E92 now. Yeah. His, his E36 is insane, I remember. And uh, after I saw that, I was like, wow, this, this could happen to literally anybody. They're all hitting that same spot. Yeah. Yeah, and so. he just... He just... Damn, that. I remember that. His wheel dug into the dirt, and that was it. Yeah. I remember uh, the video when they released it. Micah, like, stopped his car, jumped out, and to go flip it over. Yeah. So. But. That's one of the few guys that's still on uh, Bimmer Forums. You know, uh, like, uh, Bimmer Forums on, online, um, or basically any type of, like, uh, forum. They're kind of dead now. Yeah, I mean, Facebook and I think, you know, the instant likes and stuff like that kind of killed them. But there are a few guys that are pretty loyal to them, and. You know, I'm still on there. I still check it like every day, probably when I'm at work. But oh, really? Yeah, I remember. You know, 
there's definitely not a lot of movement like there used to be. I remember being on forums and uh, I used to go on like for Jeeps because I used to have a Jeep XJ mm-hmm. and I would be on forums all day. It was like pirate four by four. Looking at like crazy shops filled ridiculous buggies. But, yeah, they're nuts. Yeah. But, but yeah, unfortunately, there used to be like a really good uh, you know, source of information. And, you know, you can't really search Facebook or you can search hashtags on Instagram, but all that historical like data kind of gets lost, I think. Yeah. And it, it'd still be there. I don't think the, well, possibly if someone doesn't decide to pay the, what is it like? 50 bucks a year to keep the sites going for the forums. They might be more expensive. I don't know. I don't run a forum. I, but I, I hope know. that data stays. Me too, because I, I do a ton of research on, like, you know, everything I try to do, I try to do a lot of research on. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm on your podcast, actually. You know, I was looking for, you know, pro-am advice. And I've been listening to it. And I was like, you know what? I wonder if anybody wants to know, you know, what... Uh, you know, other people are doing to prepare that have never done it before. So here I am. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's I wanted this to kind of help people, and mostly me. <laughs> I can say that. Uh, no, it's it's uh, there's a lot of information I didn't have before I got into it, and I kind of wanted people to have something because I, you know, like let's say you finish your season, right? Like I'd like to do another episode where we discuss, you know, what you learned what your expectations were, what expert, what you were hitting, you know, what kind of um, brick walls you were hitting, not expecting, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, like, you know, maybe my trailer setup wasn't adequate. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the maybe thing. Maybe I broke every, you know, every time I went out, the diff just fell apart. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was actually going to ask you to do the same thing. So that works out well. So that's, and I, I just, a lot of people have hit me up about that, but the, their cars aren't built. So they're like, hey, I want to do so episode, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, if your car was built and you were driving it right now, I'd say yes. But there's a possibility, and I know this because I did the same thing, that that car is not going to get finished in time. Oh, yeah. And you won't be competing until next season. Now, no. if they still want to do it later, I'm still willing to do so. I still want to. But... It just it just becomes a bigger issue. Like your car's ready. That's one thing. That's why I looked first before I was like, yes, let's do it. Yeah. So um, I just don't want yeah, someone that's... to say, yeah, I'm coming in hot, and I'm like, uh, your car doesn't even have a cage in it yet, dude. Let's, you know, one step at a time. Yeah. So, but this podcast isn't what everyone uh, seems to think it is. I mean, I, I really enjoy it, yeah. uh, especially, you know, uh, the last few podcasts were about sponsors and that really opened my eyes to how hard it is to get sponsorship opportunities and how hard it is to get people on board. And, you know, I've been, I've been fairly successful getting sponsors, but not incredibly successful. So I, I thought maybe I was having a hard time, but you know what? It uh, is hard to do. Up. Not we know. Do you have a driver proposal? Yes. Okay. So so do I, and that's one thing I haven't discussed on the show, and I want to kind of discuss that with you because you're a new driver, and I think you're the perfect person to do it with to have this one, and then maybe I'll do another one with somebody else. Um, on your driver proposal, 
You don't have to give me specifics, but I want to know what topics you have on there. Um, what kind of information are you giving these people and how, what is your approach when you're reaching out to them? Sure. So, um, my driver proposal, uh, actually was, was made by somebody else, um, <laughs> because I'm not, you know, very marketable. I'm not a uh, good with Adobe illustrator or whatever you use to make them. Um, but the basic information, I'm just going to open it here real quick. I can actually share it with you. But, uh, the basic information is like, um, there's like a short bio about me, like how I got into cars, how, you know, it kind of explains my passion for cars and things like that. Um, it's kind of, let me just pull it up here. Uh, here we go. So there's a, so the first couple of things is kind of like a title page and it says, you know, my social media and, uh, you know, my name and things like that it has a picture of the car. Um, the second page is another picture of the car actually moving. So the first page is kind of just a picture of the car stationary. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, to show that I do actually go out and drift and I, you know, I yeah. have a full cage and things like that. And then the third page is uh, kind of a really old picture of me, um, actually at Tail of Dragon in North Carolina. And this was back when the car was kind of doing dual duty. I used to take it out there. And um, it's just me looking. Uh, it's kind of like me looking at the car, you know, and... Uh, kind of says what I do for a living and um, says how I got into kind of how I got into cars and how, you know, what that culminated to and how long I've been doing this. And uh, one of the things I kind of harp on is that I built the car in my garage. Like I, I built it all by myself, you know, cause that really shows a lot of passion for the, the sport and cars in general. Yeah. It's, I, I think it kind of shows like that, that go-getter um, aspect to it. Like, yeah, I, I don't know your personal financial situation. Like, hey, I can't afford to pay somebody else to do this, but I could afford to learn, or not necessarily afford, but I'm capable of learning how to do it myself type mm -hmm. deal. And that's kind of cool. admirable for anyone. Yeah, capable, capable of learning and capable of listening to what you know the sponsors want and need out of you. And then also, like, you know, you're willing to put forth the effort and spend the long nights in the garage to actually do something. So that's one thing I try to really harp on and um, show that, you know, I'm not just one guy sending you an email saying, hey, I want free stuff. And, you know, I've only been doing this for a month or, you know, I'm just kind of getting into it. Maybe I'll do it and I'll get out of it in a year. Yeah. So it shows, you know, dedication. And then I think... Um, I think that's really important for sponsors to really kind of get to know you, you know, without, you know, having met you. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, do you give a lot of information on your car, what's done to it and all that stuff? Um, do you put what kind of media you plan on having for the season? Yeah. So, um, the next thing, the next thing I talk about in the proposal is, um, how, you know, I have, a truck and trailer and what I plan to do and uh, how, you know, to show that this is actually a feasible idea, you know, for me. And then the, the car breakdown is kind of like all the big stuff. So it's more than I usually put, like when I apply for um, drift events, I don't put all this stuff, but it, it's not everything. So it's kind of the big stuff. So it says I have a, 
six liter LQ9 iron block LSX with a Borg, Borg Warner 475 turbo. Um, it says I have Lunati rods and a, you know, kind of a built engine. Um, it says I have some custom parts. Like I have a custom API dampener on it. I have a custom, um, my BCs for it are custom actually. Um, you know, kind of wet injectors, just kind of bigger things like that. I don't go down and say I have a Melling high flow oil pump or anything like that. Um, and then the chassis I go into, it's caged, it's wide body. You know, it, it, ha it looks, this is what it looks like. Here's a picture of it and the drive line and things like that. So I go into more detail than I normally do on applications, but I certainly don't list everything. Yeah. Like, uh, certain places that ask you to have, fill out an application for, for, for uh, for sponsorship. Sorry, I got stumbled over my words. <laughs> no, uh, actually like, um, uh, Actually, on those, yeah. So on those, I would do the same as the applications for invite-only drift events. So like uh, LS Fest is invite-only, and they ask you, you know, what's what's done to your car? And well, I, I don't have to break it down and say, you know, I have an improved racing oil pan baffle. I say I have a fixed back seat, I have a full cage, I have angle mods, I have an LS motor, and, you know, I just hit the big stuff that they're looking for, I think. So uh, if... I feel it's kind of like a job resume where if it's more than one page, you're not going to read the second page. So you just hit them with the good stuff and see if they come back. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's kind of difficult. Cause like mine to come up with one is difficult, but, or can be rather, I actually found one online and it was Danny George's. Oh, okay. Uh, you can literally just, Google uh, sponsorship proposal, and it's kind of one of the first one that comes up. I don't remember exactly who published the article, but Danny George released his sponsorship proposal, and it just gives you an idea of what you should have. Now, let's say um, you don't have everything that Danny George had to offer. You don't, let's just say what he had to offer on there was probably could have been like something he didn't have at hand, but something he could get, you know, like let's say they wanted a media package, a big one. he's like, he didn't have one, but it was something he can, he could obtain. I don't know. I'm not speaking specifically. I'm just in general, you know, let's say you don't have a media package. You're not working with any, um, photographer or videographer or anything like that, but it's something you can obtain. Now, if some of a sponsor says, "Hey, this is what I am going to require," you know that is something you could look into. That will cost you some money, though. But that's something you should have already. Um, some type of yeah. media, some type of photos. Yeah, yeah. So of course, and you know, a lot of the a lot of the companies that I've reached out to come back with, "How many followers do you have?" So, oh yeah. So I'm looking at Danny George's right now. Actually, I've never seen this. I based mine off of uh, somebody else's, and. Um, his, I mean, his is really nice. So he goes, he goes through like his history and his timeline, and he hits a lot of the same stuff, like uh, you know his passion and you know what he he says his preparation is key and things like that. Yeah. But his is also kind of funny, right? His, his title page is like him on a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, but it just lets you know, like, hey, I I am a person, and this I have a sense of humor. You know, I I'm not like everyone else that's doing this but at the same time i am you know he is part of a scene mm. he yeah. just may not be like every single person in the scene like he doesn't go on fucking instagram 
He seems to just do it. Cause he seems to only do it when he kind of needed to. Yeah. So, and that's cool. You know, I really respect that. I actually wish I wasn't on fucking Instagram or Facebook as much as I am. Yeah. So that's social media has been a struggle for me at least because I'm not super into it <laughs> and I know it's important. So I keep up with it, but, uh, Oh yeah, so he has he has a, like everything listed out, you know how how much branding space you get on the car and, um, you know, how many car shows he's going to attend and things like that. So yeah, really nice, really nicely put together, much longer than mine. But yeah, and that's just, my, that's what I went off of, and it's just something you can look into, you know. Yeah. Um, if you're just getting into it, like I did the same thing. Um. Like, I just had a Word document. It was all that same info, but I, you got to remember, I didn't have pictures of the car. Or at least, yeah. I didn't have the pictures of me driving the car, so there's no pictures of it, the car being sideways or at an event or anything like that. This is when I was just building it and trying to get sponsors. By the way, no one was like, yes, we'll give you something. Uh, oh, yeah. No. no for a lot of people, you have to build the car. If you're just starting, you have to build the car. You might be able to do, like, a wheel sponsor and that's not going to be a full sponsorship. You're going to have to find a wheel company. There's there's hundreds, there's thousands of them out there that you've never heard of before. You're going to have to find that company. Yep. And they're going to be like, oh, you're going to do what with our car? What with our wheels? Well, no one else is doing it. So, yeah, we'll we'll hook you up on pricing. Right. You know, yeah, that's, so, that's how it starts. Yeah, from what I can tell, I mean, it's better to reach out to, like, local guys that are around you first Mm -hmm. and uh you know then move out um to other guys that aren't aren't known in the drifting scene so if you reach out to somebody who's like you know very very popular in the drifting scene say like um msd edition for example you know huge company yep already well known in the drifting scene you know sponsors a bunch of stuff they're not they're not interested in sponsoring you (laughs) you know as far as i can tell but if you reach out to somebody named like joe schmo ignition Mm-hmm. Who wants to be a competitor? You know they're interested. Yeah, because they so. want to prove that their product works. Yeah. So, and that's that's one thing, you know, or they want to get their name out there. And let's just say they're not going to make as much money off of you as they would um, just selling the product. Mm-hmm. But that's basically as long as they're not losing money, that's free advertisement for them. That's how I see it. You know, because you're going to be pushing their product, obviously. Um, yeah, it right. also depends on how much followers you have and stuff like that, because that's pretty much everyone's main source of um, of trying to get their sponsors a return on the investment they've made in them. Yeah, especially um, I've also found that if you find, you know, if you don't have that many followers on Instagram, like I don't have that many, I have like a thousand. Yeah, and um, if you find a company that's not well known in one area. So like, uh, um, say a California company and I'm like, Hey, you know, I haven't seen anybody in the Southeast running this stuff. I can start running it and show them all, you know what it is. And they're kind of interested in that too, reaching out to kind of new demographics, I think. So, but uh, obviously if you have a ton of followers internationally on Instagram, you can sell all over the world. No, I definitely agree with the sponsor thing. Uh, like with at least having a wider range like around the world like having your followers um because like for me for instance 
the majority of my followers on my personal page, they're all based out of LA. So the podcast, however, that's everywhere. Um, and the podcast doesn't have as many followers, but I could definitely say that it's, uh, it's been growing, you know, every week. And I kind of use that as it's on my proposal now. It wasn't before, uh, mm. but it does say like, Hey, I do have a podcast. It, it is specifically about what I'm trying to do to help other people to get into it. And, uh, some people are cool with it, but I haven't really reached out to too many people recently. Um, at least not with the new stuff, not with it added onto my pod, my, uh, proposal. But as of right now, I'm not really looking for anything cause I have most of the parts already, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't want to ask anybody for money. I feel weird asking like, even on a personal, like definitely on a personal level. And that's what it kind of comes from. I've always kind of learned to like, if you want something, you have to work for it. Yeah. And in my, in my personal feeling, you know, asking for a cast sponsorship, at a pro-am level probably isn't appropriate <laughs> but uh you know at a higher level where all you need to do is put a sticker on your car and 30 million people see it maybe then yeah maybe but that's that's still i don't know if 30 million people are really seeing that though yeah i you know i don't know that that's the cash sponsorship stuff's definitely beyond me <laughs> yeah it's just I just wouldn't want to promise somebody something that I couldn't give them. You know what I mean? At least like with this, my, like I don't do YouTube, but at least with like my Instagram on both, I can give them, you know, real analytics of that. Like this is what's happening. This is what's, you know, it is a growing thing. But even then some people are like, that's not enough. Like you got to have more because I need, I need to actually see your return. Like the, your engagement, like, let's just say I have a thousand followers. And I'm averaging a hundred likes per photo. That's ten percent engagement. Yeah. So that's another thing that uh, you know a sponsor is going to look at. Yeah, I've con- I've considered that too actually because if you you know y- younger people than I'm not sure how old you are actually, but younger people than us I think, um, you know they grew up with Instagram whereas it came into our lives when we were a little bit older. Yeah, I so turned thirty they- on Thursday. Oh, okay. I'm 31. So yeah, okay. So, We're in the same page. So, you know, they could have friends. You know, I know, like, friends' little sisters have like 2,000 followers on Instagram. But if they change what they're doing later in life, I mean, they could still be there. And then, you know, those people aren't necessarily interested in what they're doing. So I think if you started, like, say you start, you started a personal page and you grew, you know, a big following on a personal page, and then you start racing. Mm-hmm. The racing page might not have as much engagement or followers as your personal page. And you have basically no influence, right? Because the people on your personal page that you do have aren't racers. Yeah, they don't give a shit about that. So I, th- I think that engagement rate is actually pretty important. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Because I can say I have X amount of followers, but, you know, I think it's more important to have that engagement. Like, okay, well, 10% of people are liking this and I have a thousand followers. Like. They're like, okay, so in reality, a hundred people are seeing it, and that's the same hundred people. It's that's, it might be one or two per post, new yeah. people. It's a hundred people in the target market, and it's not a hundred people in that target market as of right now. You uh, know, a lot of it's like a lot of people. You know, I would say about half of the hundred is like thirty people I know on a personal level. Okay. 
So it's just it's just something I don't want to offer or not offer. I don't want to say I have something to offer that I don't. Mm-hmm. So that's why I kind of just kind of slowed down on reaching out to too many people. Yeah, so I, I wish I had started reaching out when I was building the car. Maybe I would have been able to get you know, some better rates or discounted parts or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm just starting now for the Pro-Am season, so <laughs> hopefully when I break something, I can get something else. But I have had you know, pretty good success, actually. So. Yeah. No. I mean, I, what, what I consider is good success, so not bad. And then, um, do you do anything for, do you do YouTube or anything like that? Yeah, so I don't do YouTube. I don't um, actually even have like a racing Facebook page, but I do intend to start a a uh, racing Facebook page apart from my personal page and link it to my Instagram. And I also intend on making uh, YouTube videos. So um, the problem for me with YouTube videos is that when I start working on the car, I want to continue working on the car. I can't like stop and like talk to the camera or like anything like that. So I really have to figure out a way to, you know, hunker down and actually do it. Um, I know you've said in several podcasts that you hate YouTube and all that, but actually I really like YouTube. (laughs) I enjoy it. Do you Um, you, like, do you really enjoy like other drivers who are doing the same shit you're doing? I enjoy seeing what they're doing. So like, I don't enjoy the, you know, there's a couple like vloggers that are just spending YouTube money like crazy and they're not really making anything themselves or fabricating anything. I, but I do enjoy the guys that are more on my level that are either a running a pro-am series. So I've recently started watching, you know, pro-am drivers mm-hmm. and, uh, or B building something really unique. So like fabrication series or building, um, something in their garage and I'll watch that too. So, and I don't have regular, you know, I should say I don't have regular TV at my house. I don't have cable or anything. I just have Netflix and YouTube. So that might, that might, uh, influence my choice of what to watch. Yeah. I only but, got Netflix. So yeah. The only thing I watch on YouTube, like all the time is like maximum Driftcast. I'll, if I'm not doing something like, or if I'm in a garage, my garage, I have like an old small com- computer monitor, um, and like the older, um, what is it? One of the Amazon fire sticks that yeah, I have in I there. So I'll just, yeah. you know, I'll let it play. Well, if I'm working on the car, like I'll listen to it. Cause that's something I really enjoy. I really enjoy listening to what they have to say, you know, listening to other drivers to where they're talking about their situations that they're in. And that's, that's the place where I want to be. So that's something I'm looking into, but I'm not worried about someone's YouTube channel. Like it does yeah. nothing for me. I'm not looking for that type of content. Because I'm trying yeah. to make a, pro- I'm trying to be a professional race car driver, not a not a, a content creator. <laughs> Correct. That's exactly. Yeah. That's and there's nothing wrong with being the content creator. It's just not for me, and I don't care for it because my son, he's seven years old, and him, and his mom's boyfriend have been working on a uh, YouTube channel, and I was like, shit, now I gotta support him on this because I cannot be that asshole to him and like shut him down for it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, ah, so I gave him my GoPro. Oh, that's, well, yeah. <laughs> I was like, was here, nice. go nuts. I was like, that yeah. that could be your guys' thing. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm kind of the same way. I think that, you know, if you're a, a race car driver, you should be focusing on being a race car driver. But 
you know, the, I think the market's kind of changing, right? So before, when you were a race car driver, that logo that you had on the side of your car meant a lot, and it reached everybody watching. But now that logo can reach everybody in the world, really. Mm-hmm. Just so, through social media. Yeah, and so the landscape's definitely changing. And I, I my personal view of it is it's kind of now a necessary evil. When I see the Pro 1 guys doing it, like Matt Field doing a series, or like, in fact, I love Matt Field's corvette build series that Uh, was relatable content yeah that's why i like that i watched every episode of that i won't shit on that but when some guy's just telling me what he did on his sunday because oh yeah cars and coffee like i don't care about that but the matt field thing was completely separate from everything else and it was very i like the fact that it was like uh first person view you know and it felt like it's like, oh, that's how you do that because he's doing it there for you, right in front of you. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but th- I mean, those are the type of series I try to watch. Like, I, I try to watch Rad Dan too, um, and like Turk and Forsberg's videos are kind of more commercial. So yeah, I'm not really so much into those because they're doing like kind of strange challenges, and it looks more like something you'd see on like uh, cable TV, really. Yeah, there's certain things I like. I I just think. I think when it comes to, like, FD stuff, I kind of like it. And I think when it comes to, like, um, let's just say, like, what's his name? Uh, like, Adam LZ. Well, there's a guy here that's local to me. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. He's also a YouTuber. Um, but they'll just kind of post about, like, their day or some, like, I bought a Harbor Freight tire changer machine. Let's see if it works. Like, I don't care about seeing that. Yeah. Like, just to create a video. So actually, Adam LZ was the one I was talking about with the YouTube money because lately it just seems like he is just dumping money. And, you know, it's all from YouTube, right? He does YouTube every day. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing that you can do this stuff like this. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure, like, I would never shit on him because I'm pretty sure he's taking all of his time. Like, I've even heard about him not on Maximum Driftcast. I don't know if you listen to Piston Head Productions podcast. I, I don't I, that that's another one uh it's a good uh, do you listen to maximum driftcast uh yeah but not religiously so i listen to it like when i'm in the car and things like that gotcha but, uh, um but the piston head production one that's a really good one to listen to as well but he'll even say like he even said like yeah that guy adam lz i, I think i don't know which one it was on because he was pat gooden was on two both of them recently um but he had mentioned he's like yeah like that guy he does it every day like you know they all want to go out he's like well hang on i gotta get this video up first and then i'll go hang out with you like that's his job yeah you know what i mean so like that's something i won't shit on if that's that's your full-time job but it's just not for me i think that's more for the people like the kid who wants to to live that life or who wants to be like i want to do this shit one day also, I've noticed the guys at the top like him in the car community at least have been doing it for like 10 years. So I noticed they have like a lot of content out. So Yeah, and that's I don't know, like, if you can make a living out of it, do you know, it. more power to you. Yeah, yeah, I just I just wouldn't want to be on camera. I'm very uncomfortable on it. Like I went yeah. the dot my I adopted a husky today. Um Oh, a dog's a husky, huh? Yeah, his name's Wolf. Well, his name's Beowulf, but I was like, that's too long. So I'm just going to say Wolf. Um, 
but they're like, hey, do you want to take a picture? And I was like, no, 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 no. don't do all that. Because I don't like, I just, it's always felt awkward. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably more like, um, if I were to do it, it'd probably be more like B is for build. Do you watch B is for build? No, what's that? It's like, um, it's a guy who buys like, uh, like right now he, he bought a salvage auction GTR Skyline with, it had like a Liberty Walk kit on it before he bought it. Mm-hmm. And what he, he like talks to the camera a little bit, but then he just time lapses him working on it most of the time. So you get to see him kind of like repair it and fix cool stuff. Oh, so, okay. I like ones like that. I don't really care. I just see people have them, you know, living their best life or whatever. Yeah, I think, you know, when someone mentions something like a specific, and I think it kind of like narrows down to what I'm really trying to say, because sometimes I don't, I don't have the best uh, words at my disposal to use. Like the way you just said that, like telling, like they're looking, they're talking to the camera, like they're having the best time of their life. Like that's, that's one thing that's like, oh, that's, I don't care about that. Yeah. I don't care about you on a personal level. Show me your fucking car. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? So I think that's kind of the best. I'm glad you said that. Um, yeah. That's one thing I've noticed. But, and then that stuff that's super commercial. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you can tell when something's, you know, not genuine and I don't really care to watch that stuff. Yeah, I remember uh, when I crashed my car. They were like, "Hey, we're gonna make a video. Can you do that? Can you can you look at your car and kind of say something?" And I was like, "I was like, what do you mean?" They're like, "Yeah, you're gonna. We're just trying to make this scene dramatic." And I was like, "I was like, huh?" And then I thought about it later, and I was like, "Fuck, that's something I'll never ever ever do. I'm not an actor. That's it's not my job." Yeah, right. You know, I'll stick to my day job and, you know, keep doing that to pay for my racing if that's the case. Because I do not. That's not some. It's very uncomfortable for me. Yeah, I haven't, you know, I haven't been on camera that much. So I don't know if it's going to be difficult for me to do or not yet. But I know when people come up to me, like I had caffeine and octane today, if somebody came up to me with a, a GoPro and started just interviewing me, <laughs> I wouldn't know. You know, I didn't prepare for that. I don't know what to say. Or, no, that's like, that's different i think but when they're telling me to do something oh i see what you mean yeah so like yeah if they come up to me and ask me a question like i'm gonna feel a little awkward in front of the camera but eventually it's gonna turn into like the actual conversation of just going back and forth and then you get comfortable that's that i'm cool with but if you're asking me like hey do this do that say this say that you know i'm gonna be like "Mm -mm. that's not what i want to do yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that either. So, but that's not everyone who does that. So only some people do that. That ask you to do that because they're trying to make their content for them themselves as well. Right. So, but it just, I just don't want to like be rude and tell them no thanks. I don't want to deal with that. But at the same time, um, I don't want to do it. So, like, I'm comfortable with people being like, "Hey, we're gonna film you while you're doing something." I'm like, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean that's that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I I see where you're coming from. Yeah, but all but right. Back man. to back to the sponsorship thing. Um, the last thing I do is I try to find products that are either a very interesting to me or b um, 
that I think don't have like literally don't have enough view in the in the market. So like products that I I believe in and think that are going to work really well and they haven't caught on yet. So when I write an email and I say, hey, you know, I'm really interested in this and this is my sponsorship proposals attached and this and that, you know, I, I try to look for products that I don't want to say nobody's heard of, but products that actually need the advertisement. So, yeah, um, there's, there's like a couple of products that are really good. Maybe they're just not marketed so well. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, I just feel like even though I'm a driver and I have a podcast, I sometimes I don't even feel like I can do anything for them. And not to say, but I also put myself, I sell myself super short. So I'm always like, I, I'm not really doing anything for these people. If anything, they're helping out more than I'm helping them. Yeah. And I think there are companies that want to help the community out because if they, you know, maybe that maybe drifting is going to get so expensive that there won't be a community left, you know, and they're drifting folks focused company i'm not sure but there are there are companies out there that do just want to help and um you know yeah now that's and that's what's real cool too yeah. about especially when it's like it's you're kind of cool with the person you ended up um like making that relationship with sometimes it's not like the whole company sometimes it's just that one person that works there you know, and that's kind of in charge of that whole deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, like even my wheel sponsor, um, like I'm really cool with the guy, but everyone else there, like we don't talk. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I'm like, hi, and that's it. So, yeah. But all right, man. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up that, you know, maybe we haven't talked about yet? Um. I mean, I think we covered everything that I wanted to talk about, yeah. And uh, I guess we'll you know, check back at the end of the season and see how it went. Definitely, man. I can't wait to see what you do, dude. Uh, especially for your first season in a beast of a vehicle with too much horsepower on stock manifolds. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. really amazing, actually. It's I would have touched more into that, but... Uh, we get lost in that for hours, so we'll we'll I let mean, that one go. People have made over a thousand on stock manifolds. Yeah, that's that's so. a fucking concern. <laughs> and I'm spending how much on headers? <laughs> yeah. So, but um, alrighty, man. And then, uh, how do people reach you? How would you like them to reach you? Yeah. So my Instagram is at. It's very clever. It's at Blake Vanthoff. Um, very. That, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna assume that's your last name because you didn't introduce your last name. Say your last yeah, name. Yeah, so my last name is Vanthoff. Okay. Um, my Instagram's at Blake Vanthoff. Uh, I just want to say thank you to the people that have supported me so far. Um, Night Owl Performance has supported me a ton. Um, Motorsport Hardware has supported me, and uh, Tire Streets and Accelerate Tires are supporting me now. Uh, and RJ from Big Duck Club has, you know, really been very good to me. So he's not like an official sponsor, but he's been very good to me. So he's a good dude. Yeah. Super solid dude. Um, but yeah, man, I, I really enjoyed having you on the show and I'd really enjoy to have you on when your season is over. Um, yeah. and then I, you know, we can get into more specifics, what you learned, if you picked up any new sponsors along the way. Um, if you went out there and killed everybody, 
I don't think that's going to be the case, but. You never know, I, man. You never know. Be. And it's not because of your right. horsepower, maybe just because of your skill. But again, yeah, thank you, man. You have a good night. Hey, thank you. You too. All Bye. right. Bye.